Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Jesus spoke about money more than he spoke about heaven and hell, more than he even spoke about sin. He spoke about money. Because God understood from the beginning that the greatest desire or challenge for your heart wasn't going to be between God and Satan. The Bible says that, that uh, there was going to be, you have to choose this day who you're going to serve, whether it's going to be God or money, not God or Satan. God knew that the, the struggle for our soul had nothing to do between God and Satan. God know, knew that you would choose him over Satan. Somebody say amen. amen. Okay, hopefully you would. All right. But he knew that the battle for your heart or your affections would be between God and money. And over the past 17 years, I've stayed away from preaching on these subjects because of the abuses that I've seen in other ministries and other churches. And yet in the process, I've seen individuals hurt because I haven't shared the principles on giving as well. And so today just happens to be maybe that fourth or fifth time in 17 years that I'm sharing one message primarily on the area of giving. Somebody say amen. amen. Somebody say preach it, pastor. Preach it, pastor. Okay, and if you want to get to it, and I, I, that's why I shared on social media earlier, do not come today if you're content on staying the same. Because this message will tr- change you. It will challenge you. I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 6. And as you're turning there, everyone say foundation. Foundation. We need to build a solid foundation. And if you have a bad foundation, no matter how much money you put into the structure, that structure will eventually come down. And you could see a bad marriage. You could see a bad financial foundation. You could see a bad family foundation. When all of a sudden cracks start showing up, you might look good on the outside, but if there's a damage in your foundation, it will show. Listen to me. How many single people are in the house? Oh, that was weak. How many single people are in the house? Some of you want to get married. Some of you are looking for for that spouse and so forth. And you're you're trying to pressure your boyfriend or your girlfriend into marriage. Listen, until you fix the issues in your foundation, marriage will not fix that problem. All marriage will do, marriage will intensify problems that were never dealt with in the relationship. And so getting married is not going to fix it you got to deal with it in the foundation. And today we're talking about foundation. And so foundations are not always visible, but they are vital. Look with me in Matthew 6, verse 9. If you're there, say amen. Amen. It says this, Jesus talking about how to pray. This then is how you should pray. So it's taking for granted that you're going to pray, amen? So prayer is something that you should be doing right now. If you're not, start talking to God. And I want you to know, prayer is not a spiritual discipline. It is a conversation between you and God. Stop making it more crazy than it is. Just talk to God. Right now, you could pray on your drive to work, pray, but spend time conversing with God. And he says this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Read this part with me. Give us today daily bread. Read it again. Give us today our daily bread. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want to recap very quickly to kind of relay the foundation. Somebody say foundation. Foundation. 
foundation, I want to lay down these principles. Jesus is teaching in chapters 5, 6, and 7 of the book of Matthew, and he's beginning to give the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount, what it is, it's giving you um, kingdom principles on how to live in the kingdom of God. It is like the Constitution is for the United States of America. It's telling us how we're supposed to operate in this thing called uh, not the United States, but the kingdom of God. And if you want to find out what God expects of you, read chapters 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7 of the book of Matthew. You're not going to get it confused because you're not going to have a preacher messing it up for you, a theologian giving you their interpretation. These are the red letters of Christ. And if you were to open up your Bible, you're going to see all of it. It's going to be in red letters which shows that Jesus is the one that's speaking these things. And he's given us principles to live by, how to operate, how to dwell in the kingdom. And what Jesus says at the conclusion at chapter 7, he says this, if you listen to the things I just said and you put them into practice, not just hear them, but do them, then you're like the wise men that built his house upon the rock. The, the, the teachings of Christ are foundational. Someone say Foundational. And so when Jesus is teaching the prayer on how to pray, he's giving us a foundational prayer on how to approach God. First thing, everyone would say, our Father. I shared with you a couple weeks ago that God is telling us to pray our Father. When God's introduced to us for the first time in the New Testament, it's not Elohim, it's not El Shaddai, it's not El Elyon, it's not one of these other names, Jehovah or Adonai. God introduces himself as Father. Someone say Father again. Because God is showing us that he didn't want to create a religion. He wanted to create a family. Amen. You belong to a family. Come on, somebody got, got to grab a hold of this. That God loved you so much that in the New Testament, he introduces himself as your father. Not as your God, but as your father. You have a father that loves you. And listen, no matter how jacked up we are as fathers, I'm talking to the dads like me, as bad as we can get, as jacked up as we can be, as much as we want to love our kids and do the right thing, we're, we're fallible. We mess up sometimes. We do wrong things. We, 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 we intend to do the right thing, but we end up hurting sometimes. Uh, and I want you, I saw a father earlier today dealing with his son, and he was, he was getting frustrated with his son. And I just walked, I've been there. I've seen that in dealing with the little guy. So I went over to him, and the father was frustrated. I said, come here, man, give me a hug. He's like, no, I'm this kid. I said, just give me a, it's not the kid. Let me just give you a hug right now. You need a hug right now. And I just held him. I just, I just stood there. He's like, and he's, just, he's just frustrated. I said, listen, man, we want perfect kids when we're imperfect parents. And so we try to control everything they do, and we get all freaked out. Not till I got older that I chilled a little bit. I wish I could go back and re-raise my oldest, because I messed her up. <laughs> I, was, I was all over her. I was making sure that she, and that, you know, first kid, you're watching out for everything that they do. By the time the third one comes around, they could be climbing on the roof, and you don't give a rip. Yeah. Hey, you know, just, we're leaving in 10 minutes. Just make sure you're down by the time you get done. And so you notice that, but I want you to know that you belong. Everyone say, we belong. Second thing I want you to see says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the second part we shared, that, that the spirit of God, the, the, the power of God, that if you belong to a family, then you have a responsibility to let the Father's will come about in your life. It's not about doing what you want. It's about letting God do what God wants. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. And so the second part is about obeying. But I want you to understand that when we talk about obeying, many of us, you know, especially husbands, you're getting ready to throw out the trash. You got the bag all ready to go. Your wife just happens to be walking by and says, hey, can you throw out the garbage? 
You, you were planning on doing it. You already had it tied up. You were about to pull it out of the trash can when your wife just stuck. Hey, can you throw it? I was going to do it. But now that you tell me to do it, I don't feel like doing it no more. Because obeying is something that we as human beings have a hard time doing. I don't mind doing something. I just don't want to be told to do it. Come on, somebody. We, 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 we don't mind doing things. We'll, we'll do things for one. But don't tell me I have to do it. And that's the, we bring that same attitude to God. But God says this. Jesus says that if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. That love for God isn't that you come on Sunday mornings. Love for God isn't that you give your money. That love for God isn't even the worship that you give. That true love for God is displayed by obeying his commandments. It's not even by memorizing what he says. It's by doing what he says. Somebody say amen. amen. And so I need you to understand today is that we have to obey. Everyone say obey. obey. It's foundational. But how do I obey God? The only way I can obey God is when I recognize that he loves me. My father is foundational. That's first. If you get that out of, out of principle that God loves me, then you're not going to obey because you're going to think that God's trying to hurt you. Okay? Now, the third level of that foundation comes in here where give us this day our daily bread. This, I want you to recognize that you are valuable. Look at your neighbor. Tell him I'm valuable. You know, look at your other neighbor. Tell him you're valuable. So you better recognize... You don't know who you're sitting next to right now. Come on, tell them. You don't know who you're sitting next to right now. You're sitting next to value right here. Come on, tell them. Some of y'all are afraid to say it. You're afraid to say it right now. But you're valuable. Everyone say it with me. I'm valuable. Come on, I'm valuable. See, God loves you so much. This statement, give us this day our daily bread, is twofold. Number one, it recognizes that provision belongs to God. That God is, all my provision comes from God. And secondly, it recognizes it has to be done daily. Now, I want to ask a question. How many of you only eat once a day? One time a day. Okay. How many of you eat more than one time a day? How many eat once a week? Look at that look he gave me. He's like, what? Yeah, how come, if, if that's the case, God's telling us on a daily basis, ask God for what we need. Recognizing it comes from him. And I want you to re- understand what I'm trying to get to here, is that it has to be done on a daily basis. God wants to be a good father. He wants to take care of you. Now, now, I saw that, you know, my wife and I, we greet out front while people are coming in, and I see families coming in with the kids and everything. I felt bad for your son that... That was, he, that was bad. He ate it last week. But when, when they, they, they're coming in, and what's so cool is this, is that you see the parents coming in, and you see their kids dressed to the nines. They got, they got the Jordans. They got their jeans. They got, I mean, the, kid, the kids are probably rolling deeper than the parents are. And these little kids are running, you know, Armani and all this. They're running around with all these, these name brand Nike and, you know, Adidas and all this stuff. And these kids are looking sharp. But I've never seen a parent come in that was dressed nice and the kid wasted. I've never seen a kid coming in with holes in its shoes while the dad's coming in with a three-piece suit. I've never seen a mom dressed in a nice gown while the kids are rolling in with no shoes and holes in their pants and, and, and a T-shirt in the midwinter. I haven't seen that. Why? Because as parents 
How we take care of our kids reflects on how good we are as parents, right? Do you realize that what you're provided for right now reflects on how, God, how good of a father God is? Oh, you're, you didn't catch that. So if you're living in, with, with, with no shoes, holes in your pants spiritually, your family's falling apart, your household's falling apart, and yet you say, I'm a Christian or I follow God, you got the world looking at you and your condition that God's doing great while you're falling apart. Do you understand that all you have to do is begin to ask, ask God, God, give us today, this day. Give me what I need for my marriage. Give me what I need for my kids. Give me what I need for my family. Give me what I need for my health. Give me what I need for my mind. And as we ask on a daily basis, God is a good God and he'll give it to you. It's not always money. It's not always food. It might be love. It might be forgiveness. It might be understanding. But give us. Somebody say give us. And give us talks about this. To give, to render, to assign, to grant, or to offer. God is a manager. And so he's only going to give to those that are going to manage what he is gonna, what he, he's going to take care of what he gives them. If you're not going to take care of it, he's not going to give it to you. That's why you got to ask yourself, am I ready for the blessing I'm praying for? Now, now, follow me on this, okay? Now, this also recognizes not only God is my source, but it also places a demand on God. It recognizes that God is in control. It recognizes that God's the one that's in control of everything, that it puts a demand. God, you take care of me. I belong to you, so you take care of me. God, I belong, I, I'm yours, so you're going to take care of me. As children, he's responsible for your well-being. But likewise, it also invites God into our lives. So if you're struggling, but you're not praying, it's not God's fault. Whose fault is it? you got to invite God into your situation. Come on, somebody. you got to grab this. God is our source. Say that with me. God is my source. Now, now I want to take you a bit deeper. Psalms 24, verse 1 says what? Ooh, Dan. Oh, your wife just uh, gave you up there. <laughs> Hang in there. By the way, congratulations on becoming a official represent, uh, drop-off point for Operation Christmas Child. We are so proud of you. So proud of you. And glad that something we said made you laugh. Okay? <laughs> Psalms 24, verse 1 says this. The earth is whose? The earth is whose? The Lord's. And what? Are you in the earth? Are you part of the earth? What's that tell me? You belong to God. See, I want, you to know, I want you to understand, no matter how successful or unsuccessful, no matter how your business is doing, no matter what you've accomplished, no matter the successes or the things that you've accomplished, I want you to know you didn't get there on your own. Amen. Say it again, Pastor. You didn't get there on your own. You didn't get to that point. Who, did, who gave you the breath, the air to breathe? Who gave you the talent, the, uh, the reasoning, the ability, the talent to go to school, to learn the trade, to do the business? Everything belongs to God, even your intelligence. God granted you. Now, your, your mom and daddy may have gotten together to bring seed to that, but God gave you life. 
And so God is the source. God still owns the earth today. In fact, in Matthew chapter 6, what we were talking about earlier, verse 28 through 31, it breaks it down of what everyone fights for, that we're fighting for food, we're worrying about this, we're worrying about that. Look at what it says in verse 28. And why do you worry about clothes? Come on, ladies. Come on, don't ask us, does this look good? Will these shoes look good with that? If you have to ask us, do these shoes go with that? You have too many options. Right, gentlemen? If you got that many options, you know what? You're, you're too blessed. You got to get rid of some shoes now. Get one pair of shoes to go with those things so we don't have to answer these questions, all right? All the men say. Why do we worry about clothes? He says, see how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. I want to jump all the way down to verse 31. He says this. So do not, do not about or saying about what we shall eat or what we shall drink or what we shall wear. In other words, he goes on and says, because your father knows what you need already. Don't worry. We live in a world of worry, especially in the Bay Area. Man, rents are crazy here. To, to, to live, we, man, this was hilarious. We have, a, we have a niece that's kind of estranged from the family. Gave us a phone call recently. Gave my wife a phone call. She uh, was living with my, my, my mother-in-law, and her, her mom had passed away when she was younger, and my, my mother-in-law brought all the kids in. She was in retirement age, and she brought all six kids in and raised them. And they get to 18, and they're like, I'm out of here. She, I don't want to be here anymore. And they leave because they want freedom. You know how, you know, you get 18, you know everything. Called up my wife and says, you know, man, we just, me and my cousin, we want to go, go spend some time with you and, you and Uncle Dan in San Jose. Because, uh, you know, we're living out here in Colorado and rents are expensive. <laughs> it's too expensive out here in Greeley, Colorado. So we're thinking about maybe going out there and maybe staying with you guys because rents are too expensive in Colorado. <laughs> and I said, girl, you need, you, need to, you need to educate yourself. San Jose is the highest in rent. And if y'all can't make it out there, you ain't going to make it over here because you ain't living with uncle and aunt for free. Somebody say amen. amen. So we, we live in a world of worry. And worry is the opposite of faith, okay? Worry is actually faith in the negative. And some of us have great faith. You just have faith in the wrong area. Because you worry about everything. You put trust that things aren't going to happen, that things aren't going to work, that things aren't going to take place. I can't go to that job interview. What if I don't get the job? Well, what if you do? I can't start that business because what if I fail? But what if you succeed? We put more faith in the negative than we do in the positive and believing God. Everyone has faith in something. And what's a trip is some of you had more faith in the seat that you're sitting in than you do in God. Because you didn't think a thing about sitting in the chair you're in right now. The moment your butt hit the cushion, you knew it would hold you up. But you don't believe God will hold you up. Satan preys on our fears. Stay with me now. Now... God always gives us a promise. Now, this is where we're going to get to, okay? Stay with me. God always gives us a promise that requires faith to achieve. God doesn't just give you something. We have to operate in faith in order to accomplish it. Faith, without faith, it's not hard. It's impossible to please God. Someone say amen. 
So giving is foundational. Yeah, you walked in on that Sunday, okay? Giving. Who, who has $100 here? Who, who, I do. Who has $100? Okay. Yep. <laughs> Lisa, yeah. And girl, you're, you're a single girl. You don't yeah. have... Uh, yeah. <laughs> so she's single. All you, all you young men out there, oh, she's God. single. Okay. All right. And you live here in the Bay as well. Do you go to school? Yes. So you're here. At, you're here. And you're, you have $100 here that yeah. you're giving. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> so let me continue. Okay. <laughs> giving is foundational. Giving is so foundational, but money is always an issue, especially in churches, because of abuses. Abuses from ministries, abuses from pastors. And listen, send me $100 and I'll send you some, some dirt from this place that I came from. And, and you'll, you know, I'll, I'll pray over my handkerchief and send you a piece of it. Now, I believe that all those things that took place in the word of God, what I have a problem with is when men of God exploit those things to get money from you. That's what I have a problem with. And I've never wanted to be one of those preachers, and I've always made a commitment to this church that I will never preach on money when this church needed money. So let me say this. This church is fine right now. We have no financial needs immediately. God has blessed this church, and that's because we have some faithful givers, people that worship God in their giving, and I want to tell you thank you. Now, if you're a first-time visitor, you're just kind of looking in, I I want you to understand something, that God wants to bless you, but I need you to understand something, that money's always an issue, but we don't don't serve money here. We serve God, and money serves us. Somebody say amen. amen. We don't serve money, we serve God, and money serves us. And I want to talk to you about something called tithing. Somebody say tithing. That some, some are afraid of that word. You, some of you couldn't even get it out of your mouth. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a curse word to you. See, the word tithe in Masir in the, in the, the uh, Hebrew means tenth. So you can't tithe 15%. You can't tithe 20%. Tithe is 10%. 10% of, 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 and I want you to understand this. First thing I need you to grab a hold of is this, is tithing is not giving. Say it again, pastor. Tithing is not giving. Well, I just gave today. No, you didn't. Yeah, I did. I gave my tithe. Your tithe belongs to God. Let me explain something to you. Look at Leviticus 27, verse 30. A tithe of everything from the land. A tithe of what? Of what? Everything. So whether from grain, soil, fruit, or trees, what? Who's it belong to? To the Lord, and it's holy unto the Lord. So don't keep in your house what belongs in God's house. Some of you are watching a television that was bought with tithing. You stole the television. Uh, we're, we're, we're hurting some people here. See, I, I need you to understand, secondly, secondly about tithing, tithing literally is giving the first and the best. See, now, I shared in the first service, Pastor Matt's the one that gave me this illustration, that if I had a brand new bottle of water here, and I offered you a drink, what part of that drink do you want? Why the first? (laughs) Why the first? 
remember, I love my kids, but when I would give my kids a drink, and then they would take it, and they would put their mouths right on top of it. Big old line coming back as they're pulling back. I'd be like, no, it's all right, just finish it. <laughs> I love you, but just finish. God wants the best, not your leftovers. He wants the best. He wants the first. See, priority, God wants priority in our giving and percentage as well. Now, you, you see me ask who has $100, and some of you are thinking, dang, that was rude. You just took this young lady's $100. But what you don't know is that before service, I gave her $100. And I said, when I want it back, you give it back to me, okay? And she said, nope, I'm going to keep it. <laughs> exact words. So when, when God gives you something, all I did was ask back for what was mine. She didn't give me anything. I just got back what belonged to me. But, but what God's better than I am. God does this. Here's a hundred. All I want is 10 back. Let me ask you a question. How many would take that deal? It's foundational. And some of you are so good at that. Proverbs 3, 9 says this. It says, honor. Everyone say honor. honor. When I give, I'm honoring. I'm honoring the Lord with your wealth and the best. Someone say best. best. Of everything you produce and he will fill. Look at this promise. He will fill your barns with grain. Now, I, I, don't, I don't know about you. I ain't got a barn. But I got a bank account. Come on, somebody. I, I don't know about you. I don't have bats. Anyone got bats here? But I, I got other areas that could be filled. And God says, I'll fill your vats with overflowing with good wine. In other words, I'll bless what you have. I'll bless your job. I'll bless your family. It's not always financially. I'll take care of your children. I'll take care of your marriage. I'll take care of your car. I'll watch over your household. See, when you come and do an agreement and covenant with God, God always goes above and beyond. Now, many of you are sitting here and saying, well, what should I do? What are you talking about? How does this apply to me? Why should I give God my money number one it doesn't belong to you it's all God's we just went the earth is the Lord's and everything therein God only asked for 10 percent but I want you to recognize number one where what why should I give because it supports the work of the ministry and let me put it to you this way okay take a look at Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 it says this but bring what bring someone say all bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food enough in my temple now, I want you to, everyone, most theologians come into this agreement that the storehouse represents the church. That when you come, there's always a word when you come to this church. That when you walk through these doors, there's always a word, spiritual food for you to eat when you walk in. Do you realize that this place here, last year we spent over $65,000 in rent for this building? You think it comes free? You think that school's just like, hey, come on in, no problem. Hey, use whatever you want here. Think the Milpitas campus is free? 
You think the over 30 missionaries that we support on every continent throughout the world, that your giving supports them? The three churches, CWCs of Africa that we planted are supported by the giving that you give? That the homeless that we serve every Wednesday off of Brokaw comes from the giving that you give? You think that that money comes here and we just, I'm, I'm rolling and I'm rolling deep. I'm, I'm driving my Mercedes SL and so forth. No, I've been driving that same old hoopty for years. Amen. Just this year, I finally decided, you know what? After, after dropping seven grand to fix it last year, I thought I'm going to get a new car. And I make no apologies for that. But I want you to understand that unapologetically, your tithe helps to support the work of the ministry here at CWC and throughout the world. Your faith, come on, give yourselves a hand. Your faithfulness has made a difference. And there's some of you sitting here right now thinking, well, I, I didn't know about this. I had no idea. And that, that's cool. That's why I'm teaching this today is to let you know our responsibility as believers. But there's others who are enjoying, you, you, you're content. Have you ever gone out to eat with that one person that never pays? Come on. You know, hey, after church, they come around, hey, let's go out to eat. And they're like, no. And then you take them out to eat, you sit down at Red Robin, and they order the onion ring tower. They, they, they order, uh, you know, the artichoke dip. And they order a side salad, and then they order a soup as well. Then they order their meal, and when the check comes, all of a sudden, they turn into that dude from the Geico commercial with the alligator arms. <laughs> they never pick up the check. And yet there's people that come to church every week that are eating from the spiritual food that someone else has paid for. And listen, you don't give... I'm not hating on you. I'm just saying that there's a responsibility that we have as believers. And if you don't give, doesn't mean I'm going to... We, we don't... You know, old school, Bishop talked about this. Old school, I grew up in a church. I'm telling old school, they, they would print out the giving report. And they would put it on the back of the church foyer. Quarterly. And they would put them on the back and you would go through and you'd see people's names up there. You get... You always look for your family name to make sure that the family was giving. And what was embarrassing was when there was a zero or $10 next to your name for the quarter. You're like, oh, $10 isn't bad. That's what I gave today, Pastor, for, the, for three months. We don't do that. We don't shame people into giving. I'll never shame you to give. Because it's not about dollars, it's about devotion. It's about your heart before God. But I also want to make sure that you understand what, what, what it's going for, what it's all about. Secondly, it teaches us to put God first. Worship team, if you would take your place. It teaches us to prioritize God. Look at the last part of Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23. It talks about bringing the tithe. And Deuteronomy out of the Living Bible puts it this way. He says this, the whole purpose of tithe... The purpose of your tithing is to teach you to always what? Always what? In your lives. That's what it does. It acknowledges when I give is that I'm trusting God that my 90% is going to go farther than my 100%. That if I give 10%, 
God's going to bless my 90, and that 90 is going to go farther than my 100% cursed. It acknowledges that it came from God. And it's all about priority. Somebody say priority. Matthew 6.33, but seek ye. Seek ye. It's about priority, and we got to get a hold of this. And when we don't give, when we don't tithe, we end up stealing from God. Who, who else has $100 here? You're like, I ain't. <laughs> you didn't give me any money, Pastor. I'm not raising my hand. Who else has, a, has a, uh, any, any? Okay, I, I want to I just, Jessica, do me a favor. Just, just put it right here next to Dan, okay, right here on the. The hand rest. Even, even, that's cool right there. Is that 20? Let's put the 20 there. But let me show you. This, this is stealing. Let me, let me show you what stealing is. Okay? That, you don't have to put, uh, okay, 100 is cool. I mean, I'll take more. Okay? Follow me on this. Th- this is stealing. Okay? Oh, Dan, look. Look, look over there. That, that's stealing. I took something that wasn't mine. Okay? But God doesn't call not tithing, stealing. Malachi goes on and says, will a man rob God? He says rob. In in all of the tenses, it's rob, not steal. Rob. Because stealing and robbing are different. For those of you that have been incarcerated before, work with me. What's, What's the difference between stealing and robbing? What was that? When you rob someone, you're threatened physical harm. You steal something, they didn't see it. But when I come up on you, I threatened you, I robbed you. I took it by, and you know what God's saying? God's saying, really? Really? Will a man step up to God? You're stepping up to me? Really? You're going you're gonna to step up to me? And you're going you're, you're gonna to rob me? Will a man rob God? Where have we robbed you? you? You've robbed me by the tithe and the offer. How dare you rob God? You say you love God, but you're robbing from him? You're, 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 you're threatening abuse against God? And yet you say you love the very one that you're robbing? That's sick. He goes on and says this, listen. Many of us, when we're taking something that belongs to God and using it for someone else, something else, it's like you drove here in a stolen car, in your stolen suit, putting, taking money out of your stolen purse, living in your stolen house, Watching your stolen TV while you're on the phone with your stolen phone, iPhone or Samson, the one that burned up. Or, or looking at your iWatch or that you stole as well, eating stolen food after church because of the fact that you're robbing God. I, I know some of you theologians right now. Pastor, that's Old Testament. That was under the law. We are under grace. I'm glad you mentioned that. Because Matthew 23, verse 23, Jesus speaking, he's ripping the Pharisees. Woe to you, Pharisees and scribes, you hypocrites. For you pay the tithe of the mint, anise and cumin. 
Who pays tithe off spices? They go to the store, buy oregano, and they're chopping off 10% to the Lord. Here you go, God. Here's 10% of my oregano. Little garlic. Here's, here's my tithe. They, I mean, they're going down to the... They took the word and they took it down to their spices. They gave God... Now, a cook would love that, but he's giving, he's giving God spice. They went down to spices, not just money, spices they're tithing off of. But God tells them this. said, you know, the problem is this. You have neglected the weightier matters, the law, justice, mercy, faith. These you should have done without leaving the others undone. In other words, get mercy, justice right, but keep doing the other things. Oh, come on, somebody. you got to follow me here. Old Testament. Now, say amen if you've ever heard this. Don't commit adultery. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Do not murder. Hate your enemy. So I say amen. Amen. That's Old Testament. And Jesus is saying, he goes, listen, you've heard it said of men of old. Where did you hear it, hear it from? God said it. He said, you, this is God's command. In the New Testament, look what Jesus said. Don't commit adultery. Jesus says, I tell you, don't even look at a woman with lust in your eyes. Don't, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. I tell you, turn the other cheek. Come on, somebody. Don't murder. I tell you, don't even be angry with your brother. He says, hate your enemy. I tell you, love your enemy. Now, now I got a question for you. Does grace lower the standard or raise it? Come on, lower or raise? Don't commit adultery. Don't look. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, or... Turn the other cheek. Every occasion in the Old Testament, grace supersedes it. Grace doesn't lower the bar, it raises the bar. So what's that tell me? 10%'s the watermark. It's my starting point. That if that's the way the law operated, and even we, we see giving happening even before. The law was even instituted when, when Abraham gives a tenth to this priest by the name of Melchizedek. You see, you see uh, Abel and Cain giving to God every time they approach out of, out of worship to him. You might not think giving is spiritual, but giving is worship. Now, now, chill. I'm not collecting an offering. We're not going to recollect offering this morning. I know some of y'all thinking, okay, he's going to collect offering at the end of this and make us commit to giving and so forth. I'm telling you, you need to give more than we need to receive. Because you want God's blessing. I don't know about you. You want God's blessing on your life. But lastly, tithing builds my faith in God. Tithing builds faith because it causes you to trust them. Don't tell me that faith's important to you if you're unwilling to develop it. Malachi 3.10, God is the only place God says, test me. Someone say, test me. The only place, everywhere else he says, don't test the Lord your God. Don't test me. Don't put me to the test. Only here he says, test me. Try me in this. 
and see if I won't throw open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing you don't have room enough to contain. Whenever I'm in a position where I have room, I tell God my daily bread. God, give me this day my daily bread because I got some room right now. I got a little room for blessing. He says, test me. Everyone say, test me. This goes back to your foundation of do you trust who God is? Tithing is not about dollars. It's about heart. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and place your hand on your heart. I've kept you about 10 minutes longer than I expected to this morning. But Matthew 7.24 says, He who hears these words of mine and does them is like a person whose house is built on a rock. It's time to fix our foundation. Come on, church. We trust God with our souls, but we don't trust him with our wallet. We believe that he's building a house for us, a mansion, but we don't even trust him with our $20 in our pocket. I'm going to let some of you off the hook right now. Because as a preacher, I got you on the hook right now because some of y'all are feeling guilty. I can see it on your faces. And I don't want you walking out feeling condemned. It's not my purpose. It's not my plan. I love you. I want to empower you this morning. But knowing that the bar gets raised in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, Paul tells us this. You must decide. Everyone say decide. How much to give. This is on you. This is between you and God, whether you want to obey or not. That's not me. I I, I can't control that. I don't know what's in your wallet. We're not going to put on the back wall how much you gave. And do not give. Do not give. If I have to pry that tithing envelope out of your hand, or the usher has to put his foot on your forehead and get it out of your hand, then you might not be giving out of joy. Don't give reluctantly in response to pressure. I will not pressure you. I refuse to be that guy. I'm not going to pressure you. But I do want you to get in step and get your foundation fixed. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And I love, I don't know about you, but I love to give. And I know some of you do. I've seen it. I've seen your lives. Giving is who God is. Bible says, for God so loved the world that he, he gave. It's who he is. It's in his character that God demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He's a giver. And if I'm his son or daughter, I should have the characteristics of my father in me. You're valuable. God wants to take care of you. But the way he does so is by asking you to get into agreement with his word by doing things his way. Right now, we're going to ask God, change my heart. I have your heart on your, have your hand on your heart, not your wallet. Because right now, if, you're, if your heart's not changed, your wallet will never get saved. So right now, God just wants your heart. Thank you for downloading this message. 
For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.com.